right. Um, for those of you who don't know, my name is Heather, and I am the pastor's wife here at the Vineyard, the esteemed pastor, as he was referred to this morning. That would make me the esteemed pastor's wife. So I'm Heather, and it's, it's great to meet you guys. Do I have anybody here who's here for the first time? I don't think I see any super new faces. Well, welcome to all you people who've already been here before. It's great. We are starting a four-week series about creativity tonight. This is our kickoff night. Um, I'm really excited about this one because uh, this is something that I'm really, I don't know, really feel strong about. I'm really passionate about. I love the arts. I'm an elementary art teacher. I've always done art as long as I can remember. My mom was an artist, and my dad's a renaissance man. You know, he's always been into the poetry and the beautiful things of life. And so I've grown up in this atmosphere of valuing the arts. And so um, this is a really exciting topic for me. So I'm excited to, to be able to lay the foundation for our four-week series. And so my goal tonight isn't to go super, super, like, technical or, or deep or anything. I just want us to get a really good foundation for what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. Um, do I have any people in here who are teachers or who are studying to be a teacher? Okay. All right. So I just learned about lesson plans because I've been teaching for like three years, but I didn't really know about lesson plans. So, <laughs> so my boss to, uh, informed me this week, um, you really need to be doing lesson plans for your classes and turning them in. I'm like, oh, okay. And so I was like, well, I don't know how to do that. She said, well, you need an objective. So I've learned all that this week. Um, but my objective tonight, what I want you guys to leave knowing and feeling, here's my objective of the message. I did this in lesson plan layout, okay? <laughs> I want everyone here to leave knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are creative. God made you that way, and that is a really good thing. So it sounds simple. But it is really important that it's not something that we just know up here, but it's something we know in here. How many times have you heard it said, I am just not a creative person? You know, I know I've got this friend who's super creative, but that is so not me. I don't have a creative bone in my body. You know, we hear that a lot. Some of you may even have said that. This is your word of correction. No, I'm just kidding. It's not a corrective word. Um, Seriously, that's a really common thing to say, oh, yeah, I'm just not that creative. And a lot of times what people mean by that is I'm not like crafty or artsy. That's what usually what people are meaning. But there are a lot of people who genuinely believe they're not creative people. And so um, my job tonight is just to convince you or let the Lord convince you uh, that part of your identity is you are creative. All of us have heard, or at least believe on an intellectual level, that we are made in God's image. And that's the um, scripture we're going to use tonight. It's from Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then I'm going to read it for one more translation. So God 
Oh, no, this is the same one. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Adam touched on this a bit this morning when he talked about, um, it was like as if God cast a mold of humans, a mold of himself, and then cast humans from that mold. And if we really think about this, that means we reflect what God looks like. And not only do we look like God, but we would have just been a God statue that had his resemblance if he hadn't reached down and breathed his very breath into us, and that's what gave us our life. And so I think it's really important to know that not only do we have the likeness on the outside, but we actually have the essence of God, his very breath of life on our inside. So we have God's likeness all through us, outside, inside, the very air we breathe is God's image. And a lot of times that's not really hard for us to grasp in terms of love or compassion. You know, we all have the, the capacity to love and we all have the capacity to forgive and we can grasp that part. But, um, our first encounter with God is that he created us that he is a creator, that he thought something up, dreamed something in his heart, and then brought it into being. I mean, that is at the core of who he is. He creates. That means if that's at the core of who he is, we're made in his image, it's at the core of who we are. And when I say that we're creative and creators, I'm not just talking about hobby crafters, even though... Those are very creative people. So you may get on Pinterest. We have Pinterest fanatics. Okay. Crafty people are awesome. But that's not all I'm talking about. There's painters and crafty people and writers and musicians, and they always get labeled the, the creatives. You know, oh, those creatives. Those guys of the vineyard. The creatives. Um, but when I'm, when I'm referring to creativity, I want you to get out of that whole visual arts, music, you know, kind of writing and think more in the terms of um, cr- uh, creative, po- pro- can't speak, creative problem solving, um, creative solutions. Like the, the scripture is full of instances where there was a problem that required a solution, and the solution had to be created, had to be thought up. Um, One that I thought about earlier in the week was, like when Jesus went to the wedding. We talked a lot about that last week with Robin. He went to the wedding. They ran out of wine. There was a problem. And so he didn't just make a run to the store or to a neighbor's house. or I mean, he had a creative solution for that problem. And it was in that creativity of that solution that revealed a lot about who God was. And so as we begin to apply the creativity that's in us to solve the problems that are in front of us, to fix broken systems, to reach out and help, um, those solutions that are birthed out of our creative spirit will carry the very fingerprint of God just as that miracle of turning water to wine carried the fingerprint of God. I mean, we look at that miracle and we draw all of these things from God. God is all about abundance. He never runs out. 
God's all about celebration. You know, let's have a big party. God really values marriage and weddings. He did his first miracle at a wedding. I mean, we can pull all of these little things just from that one solution. And so as we begin um, unlocking these wells of creativity that are within us, the things that come forth are going to carry the fingerprint of God. Not only will they solve problems, help people fix brokenness, but they will reveal more and more of who God is. Um, last week at the conference, Robin, he had a lot of really good stuff to say. Were you guys, were most of you here? Let me see who I was here last weekend. Yeah, most of you. My, the thing that really touched me, and it touched, I talked to a lot of people like, what did you get from the conference? And um, this really did touch a lot of people. But for those of you who were here, do you remember the whole quarter thing? Okay. For those of you who weren't, let me give you a quick rundown. Robin had a quarter, and he said, how much is this quarter worth? 25 cents. He threw it over his shoulder. Oh, no, it's lost. How much is it worth now? Would still worth 25 cents. He ran and found it. Oh, it's been found. Celebrate, celebrate. How much is it worth now? Would still worth 25 cents. And the thing that he um, directed us to through that was that our value um, wasn't I don't know what the word is, developed, wasn't, um, we didn't receive our value when we were found, when we met the Lord. Our value was always there. The price that Jesus was willing to pay, the price that, that the Lord paid by sending his son, that is what showed our value. Not the fact that we finally turned to him and said, you know, save us. But our value was already there. And it's the same thing. And we can accept that about love. You know, oh, God loves us. Even when we're lost, God loves us. But a lot of times with some of these other things, it's harder to accept, um, like creativity. It's in there. Whether we recognize it or not, it's in there. Whether we turn to the Lord or not, it's in there. How many of us know fabulously creative people, artists, thinkers who don't know the Lord, but yet their work, you look at it and you feel the Lord on it. I mean, anyone who's gone to a museum, you look at a painting and you're like, there is a God (laughs) that a human somehow reflected the majesty of creation onto that canvas. And you can just feel the Lord on that. And that's because creativity is of the Lord. Creating is of the Lord. And that's in us. God is the most creative person in the whole world. He made us and he made us like him. Therefore, we are creative and we carry the imprint of the creator. My middle son, Seth, loves to draw. But the funny, all my kids love to draw. But Seth, it's so funny because he has this style of drawing. It doesn't matter what he draws. Um, You could look at it and know immediately that he drew it. The other day in art class, we were drawing shoes. And, you know, everyone was drawing their shoe. And it's so funny because I just stacked them up and turned them in. And I was just flipping through them. And immediately I knew that one's Seth's. Seth's. Just because of the way he made his lines, the way he puts things. It's the most interesting drawing style I've ever seen. It's really, really interesting. And it gives me a little 
look into how his brain works, you know. And it's the same thing with God. Um, We are his art. We are his creation. And when you look around, you can see God reflected out of the things that he's made. And that's in us. That means the things that we make can reflect the Lord as well. So why does all this matter? Why, does, why are we taking four weeks and talking about being creative? Is it just so we can hang more stuff on the walls? Yes. <laughs> no. But, side note, if you've been to the vineyard for any amount of time, you, you know how much we value creativity around here. Um, I mean, we, we love art. We love music. We have a creative writing group. And it's easy to look at the um, visual art and, and point them out. But, but we value creativity even in, in teaching, in accounting, in it doesn't matter. Our goal is for every area that people are involved in, that, that Christians are involved in, would be revolutionized by creative thinking. And that we really think that the church should be the most creative place in Campbellsville. That the, the most um, problem-solving thinkers would be those who are connected to the Lord, you know? And a lot of times it's not that way because we feel suppressed at church. You know, oh, creativity can be dangerous. It can leave you into rebellion and all this stuff. But creativity and the ability to question things, to wonder, to step back and say, hmm, I mean, that is all part of what God placed inside of us when he gave us choice. And it's that very ability to wonder that allows us to be able to change things. So the reason it's so important to learn about creativity is because can anybody think of anything that needs changed? I can think of like four million things. Anybody think of any, anything that needs helped? Anything that's broken? Anything that's ugly? Without creativity, we're just robots destined to live someone else's idea of what our life should look like. And we're destined to look at the world the way someone else sees it. God made us all different, and he gave us all different perspectives. And he doesn't want me to look at the world and the world's problems the same way that Glenn does, because we're different, and we have creativity inside of us, and we can approach things in different ways. So one of the angles I want to take on this is talking about my job. Okay, I teach little kids art, which is hilarious. Totally hilarious. We, we read in the Bible, you know, Jesus saying, let the little children come to me and we should become like children. And, and, and we always talk about it in terms of faith and, and trust and, you know, oh, I love like a child, forgive like a child. But um, what about creating like a child? I don't know a single one of my students who doesn't love art class. And it's not because of me, because I'm kind of pretty strict in class. <laughs> I'm, um, you know, I like things to be orderly. But I, just to get ready for this, I did a little 
survey, informal survey. And I went around school asking kids from every different grade. I teach from three years old all the way up to fifth grade. And I'd say, what is your favorite subject? Or what is your favorite class in school? And I got two answers, art and recess. (laughs) I mean, don't you remember being a kid and just like drawing? My kids, they love to draw. There are drawers of drawings. And it doesn't matter. Kids don't draw to create art. They draw just because it's in them, just because it's fun. They like it. It's part of who they are. Give any kindergartner a great big piece of paper and a bucket of markers, and they will smile. They will be happy. When they finish their picture, they'll either say, hang this up, look at this, or they'll, in my classrooms, they'll run and put it in their cubbies. So that way they can take it home and give it to their mom. My mom's going to love this. <laughs> and when your kids give you art, um, it makes you feel happy. I mean, you love it. I love it. Magnolia makes me beautiful pictures all the time, and I love them. When you're a kid, you sing songs, you write stories, you invent new ways to play basketball. Oh, my goodness, my boys, when they play in the yard, like their games have so many rules that I do not know how they keep track of all of them. Oh, you can do this, but you can't do that. But I mean, they're constantly coming up with new games. They play. They love to play school and teach each other, and, and, you know, they love role-playing. Let's play house. Let's play school. Let's play teenager. I'll be <laughs> I'm a teenager. Uh, my, my boys love Legos. But when do we grow out of that? Is that just a matter of maturity? Is that just part of being a kid? And then we finally get some sense into our brains, and we realize that's ridiculousness. I have a three-year-old. I teach sunbeams also. I teach art to all the kids on Mondays. And then I have my own preschool class, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And they're three-year-old and four-year-old children. And I have seven of them. And the other day, I was getting ready for this message, and I was talking to him. I'm like, "Um, who in here is an artist? Every one of them raised their hand. I'm like, do you know what an artist is? Yeah, it's someone who makes art. Okay. Are you an artist? Yeah, I'm an artist. All seven of them said, I am an artist. But if you take seven adults, it's very rare that they would be like, all seven, yeah, I'm an artist. Or even, I'm creative. You know, it's really rare. You've got 100% when they're three, and you'd maybe have one in seven, two in seven, who admit to being creative when they're adults. Why? Well, I think that part of it is that we lose sight of our identity, of who we are. You know, there's a couple different angles to go from it, uh, to go at this. Um, I really do believe that Satan hates creativity because it reflects God. God is the creator. Um, Satan's looking to destroy things, whereas God's looking to create and recreate and restore and rebuild and bring beauty which is the opposite of what Satan would want for our lives. So I do think there's an element of, of um, attack on that, that the enemy doesn't want us to accept that about ourselves because it's empowerment. Creativity is, is power to change things. We carry the authority. The Lord has, has made us um, 
his. We carry his authority on the earth. And when you power that authority with creativity, I mean, great things can happen. And then I think the other part is we just lose sight of our identity sometimes. That happens in a lot of ways, not just creativity. But if we lose sight of our identity, does it mean it's not so? Just because you don't believe something or you don't see it, does it mean it's not real? No. But if you don't believe it, then it's not your reality. Therefore, you can't draw from it. This can go in two ways. If we don't believe that God made us to be creative, we never allow ourselves to dream, and we can never change anything, and we can never make anything beautiful. Or we're creative, we constantly dream, and we create, but we never acknowledge that the reason we're creative is because we're reflecting God. And though we are expressing creativity, we're still left lacking because we aren't following it back to its source. So it can go either way. You can be, you know, I love the Lord, I love the Lord, I love the Lord, but not um, coming in contact with the fact that you're a created being who reflects the Lord's creativity. And And you just become ineffective in a lot of ways. You know, a lot of times we face really difficult situations. And we say, oh, Lord, send someone to help these people. They need an answer. And the Lord's saying, you are the answer. I did. It's you. Oh, the woman who works beside me. Oh, she needs you. Well, I sent her you, you know, and in and, and a lot of those situations, it's not like hand them a book and they're fixed. You know, you need to hear from the Lord. And when I'm saying we need to employ creativity, I don't mean we need to draw their portrait or sing them a song. <laughs> Although sometimes that's really really effective. No, it's, it's that we need to, um, think outside the box. Everybody hear that? You know, oh, think outside the box, the box that isn't actually even there. You know, it's really important that we think outside the box, but in reality, the box is just absence of creativity. You know, um, it's not a box with boundaries. It's just that We're putting them on ourselves because we're not opening our eyes and seeing the limitless possibilities that are open before us. Life inside the box isn't even life. It's a vacuum. Mm -hmm. All right. To me, I think it's really odd to hear Christians who love the Lord say that they're not creative. Because you don't hear Christians say, oh, I'm just not a person who loves Oh, you know, I just don't, I'm not a real thankful person. You know, that would be, we'd be like, weird. Okay, we need to reintroduce you to the Lord. But if you say that, oh, I'm just not creative, you're like, oh, honey, me neither. You know, it's like a really normal thing. But I want that to become like abnormal for us. I want us to be like, no, no, man, I'm creative because the Lord created me. I reflect him. He made stuff. It's in me. Creativity is the key to change things that seem unchangeable. And creativity is about beauty. And when I say beauty, I don't don't just mean like me. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I don't just mean like my face. No, I mean 
beauty as in the way things work, the way things are, you know? You can look at something and it's beautiful, or you can see a situation or a, a family and say, that is beautiful, you know? There's, there's more than just... Um, Beauty is not just skin deep. Wait, what is something like that? (laughs) The Lord is beautiful. You hear that echoed throughout the scriptures over and over. Beauty points to God. Step outside, look around, and you know exactly what I mean. But then there's also the aspect of open up a clock and see how all the the, uh, wheels and the cogs, is that what they're called, turn together. And that's beautiful. There's a beauty in order. There's a beauty when things work together the way they're supposed to work together. Um, I did a lot of reading about Steve Jobs since he passed away. Steve Jobs um, founded Apple Computers and a lot of other stuff that I didn't even know about. This guy was an amazing person. (laughs) He was an amazing person. He changed the entire world. And it's so funny because when you hear of someone who built computers, invented the iPod and the iPhone and the iPad and the MacBook, and and, uh, did you know he started Pixar Studios? I did not know that. That's really cool. But um, you automatically think, oh, this guy. This guy is one of those computery guys, you know, who's, I don't know a nerdy computer guy who, who stays at home and doesn't get out much and all this stuff. But the truth is, um, Steve Jobs changed the, the whole planet and the way we communicate with one another and the way we see the world because he was obsessed with beauty, completely obsessed with it. He was a college dropout. He took like half of one semester of college. And he quit because he hated all those classes they made him take. And he started taking things like, or dropping in on classes like um, calligraphy. And he became obsessed with calligraphy. And he loved how there were certain spacings in between certain letter combinations. And, and he was just enthralled with the way these letters looked. And so when he started building computers, um, he decided, well, this type, you know, the, the letters are ugly. They need to be beautiful. And so he wrote all these programs to, to make beautiful typography on computers. And um, I learned all this through, um, what's that called when you speak at a graduation? Con- commencement, is that the word? <laughs> I always say convocation. <laughs> he did a commencement speech at Stanford when he was sharing this story. And um, I watched that and heard him talking about this. He said, that because he thought that calligraphy was beautiful and he was so obsessed with things being beautiful, he put that on his computer that he built. And because of that, you know, other computers, other companies put beautiful um, fonts on their computers. And he said if it wasn't for that calligraphy class and falling in love with how beautiful letters were, computers probably wouldn't have the beautiful typography they have. And it's little things like that that now we don't even think two things about. Um, I read the eulogy that his sister wrote. Did anybody read that? Oh, my goodness. You need to Google it. His sister wrote his eulogy. 
And it, I mean, I cried my eyes out. But she was talking about the first time she met him. He was adopted, and he didn't find out about who his parents were till later in life. And when he met his sister, they were in their 20s, and she was a writer. And she was talking about how she was getting ready to purchase the computer. And he said, oh, no, 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 don't do it. Don't buy it. I'm getting ready to come out with one that is beautiful. Um, I mean, he was getting ready to come out with his, his computer that he was building. And he didn't say one that functions better and one that works really well and runs great. He said one that is beautiful. And it was out of this guy's search for beauty and just desire for beauty that he changed the whole world. When you become a person who orients your life around beauty, when you fall more and more in love with the Lord and you start realizing um, how beautiful he is and that beauty matters, you start wanting beauty all around you. Um, I know one thing, like, I choose cleaning products and shampoo bottles based on if they'll look pretty on my shelves. (laughs) It's just little things, but beauty matters, you know? And that desire for beauty... um, it's not just a vanity or a weird, um, you know, human thing. I mean, it's put there because the Lord loves beauty. And he loves things to be beautiful, to, to work beautifully, to be beautiful. And I think that's okay. So I want you to know that you have permission from your father to think outside the box. Because the, re- the reality is, that's where he is, you know. He's not this little concept that you think he wants you to do this, this, and this, and obey these rules. But he wants you to commune with him. He wants you to partner with him. He wants you to dream with him. And he's put this creating spirit inside of all of us. It looks different in each of us. We're all going to look different. But it's inside of all of us. For some of you, it might be, that you just really know how to manage and make money creatively. You know, you've got ideas that no one else has, and that's from the Lord. And some of you have ideas on how to solve problems. Like, this is a problem, and I think I know what to do about it. It's something that no one else has ever done before. That's from the Lord, and that's good. And some of you, like Steve Jobs, have this un- you know, unashamed search for beauty. And you're always trying to create things that are beautiful. And that's from the Lord. If you don't feel creative, just go outside. Look around. Don't do anything. Don't try to conjure up creativity. Just go outside. Be in creation. Look at the trees. Look at the birds. And just feel the Lord's presence in what he made. And it will awaken that inside of you. If you don't feel creative, don't freak out. We've all been there. Does a child sit and like strain and think and wait for this lightning bolt before she she finally grabs a pencil and draws a horse? No, she just thinks about a horse. And she doesn't stress about whether or not the proportion of the neck is actually correct 
You know, she just does what's in her heart. And I think that's what the Lord is wanting us here at the vineyard to do. The vineyard is a safe place. It's a safe place to begin practicing, reflecting the way that God has made us, you know. If you have something inside of you and you're like, it's not been done, but I feel it, or I want to try it, or I just really, it's okay. We want you to just begin to unlock who the Lord made you more and more. We would rather have a room full of risk-taking people who have messed up a whole bunch than a room full of people who have never messed up at all but never tried anything. So it's okay. The world needs creativity. The world is wrapped up in a web of problems and broken systems, and it needs answers, and it needs solutions. And the ability to create has been put inside of us. And so it's part of being human and being a child of God and a lover of God to, to begin to employ that and unlock that and get in touch with that and just... It doesn't mean you have to go crazy and go, you know, turn your back on everything you're doing now. And it, it just means just begin to listen to the Lord in the little things. Mm-hmm. And you will feel ful- fulfillment from that, you know. You'll feel the peace of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people think, oh, I need to be less, less human and more spiritual. And we talked about that a bit today. We're equal parts human and spirit and we live this dual life two places at once and it's kind of crazy but we're not trying to escape being human we're trying to be as human as the lord made us to be and as we do that we look at how the lord made us and what he has for us and one of the things he has for us is is to to quit just looking at what everyone else has done in the past and copying it. Because if we do that, nothing will ever change. In fact, we'll end up going backwards. He's looking for us to look to him and be willing to try the new thing. He's looking for us to look to him and be, be willing to express what he's put on your heart. Write the song you know you're supposed to write. Paint the picture you know you want to paint. Don't worry about if it's technical or not, you know? And beyond that, you know, go to school and major in the thing you know you want to major in. (coughs) Stuff like that. All that stuff. All right. Lord, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for creating us and for making us and for breathing your breath into us, Lord, we just thank you so much. You're so beautiful. Do we have our ministry team people? <laughs>